0: We're going to edit this together and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. So, we'll okay, so. Now I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> no, we're going to fix it in post. <laughs> this is a podcast of two friends who watch way too much TV. We learn from the shows and we make fun of them sometimes too. We're not experts, but we pretend to be. After all, we watch a lot of TV. Today's show contains discussions about real people in tragic situations. We don't mean any disrespect or to belittle anything that anyone's gone through. Spoiler warnings. If you would like to watch Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, a Netflix documentary, or Ghost Adventures, the Cecil Hotel, stop. Don't listen any further. If not, here we go.
1: Hello and welcome to I Watch A Lot Of, the show where we impart our vast knowledge onto you because after all, we watch a lot of TV.
0: That's Lisa Stotts. And that's Chelsea Hackman. So, what are you watching a lot of? Ooh, The Nevers. It's on HBO. I'm kind of obsessed. It's Josh Sweden. It's only like four episodes in. Strong female characters. Steampunk aesthetic. It's everything I love.
1: My goodness. That sounds amazing. A lot.
0: What's the vibe of the show? The vibe of the show is... I mean, you had me at steampunk, but what? Yeah, you? I had you at steampunk. Okay, so there is a two group two women who run a um, orphanage, essentially for what they call the touched, the touched, which are the people, which are a group of individuals who have extremely amazing abilities, ranging from controlling and out controlling and being able to see the electrical outputs of things, to being completely unable to get into water like it's impossible like I okay i was, a bath I was
1: just gonna ask if this was like a never nude situation or if this was like I, a, yeah water. It would,
0: i mean like essentially it would be a never nude situation i mean you could oh. wear your your safety shorts but
1: okay um, okay who's in it
0: let's see laurel donnelly um and she's from outlander i love her yeah. and any reason to talk about outlander i will <laughs> <laughs>
1: future episode
0: <laughs> i love you jamie fisher um uh see james norton plays hugo swan anna skelly plays prince dare and eleanor thompson plays mary brighton and her power is one of my favorites she- eleanor
1: Tomlinson said it's amazing just gonna put it out there gonna just put that down right there boop incredible that's so good so the nevers on hbo The
0: never's on hbo that's fun it's a josh whedon situation it's good yeah that's highly awesome. recommend what are you watching a lot of uh
1: drug heist type documentaries uh, i just finished so i just got recommended from one of my coworkers to watch uh cocaine island which i haven't i haven't jumped seen. in on yet right and then the last one i watched was how to fix a drug scandal which was incredible it's on netflix so i've um, seen it
0: so good loved it so good
1: everything about it is good and then i watched not too long before that i don't remember what it was called because it was this it was like that though where there was like you were gonna have a different story and then it became a drug story and you were like oh okay. i like okay so like, like how it 20, to fix it
0: it's one way and it's going completely it's somewhere else
1: Right, yeah, where you're like, oh, this, like, how to fix a drug scandal baited and switched me pretty good when I was like, oh, this is just going to be a story about, you know, the drug scandal because it's a drug lab. And then I was like, oh, no,
0: it was drug so scandal in
1: a drug lab and also way more, way more. I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but yeah, it was incredible and it was so much fun. So I've been watching a lot of those. And when I find one like that, I go, like, find all of them that I can. So I tried... I tried the uh, cold case type documentaries. Like I tried the disappearance of Madeline McCann. And I, it's I so, it. so difficult. Yeah. And it's not that the filmmaking isn't beautiful. The storytelling isn't good. It's simply that I cannot tolerate uh, that a missing five-year-old, missing three-year-old. It just seemed too horrific. Couldn't do it. Uh, should be able to probably because the awareness around this is incredibly important, but... I'll uh, I'll probably go back to it. I just have to do it like in little pieces. Like I can't binge it. I have to be like and the I'm gonna watch. The
0: story is kind of fascinating in and of itself, and how she disappears.
1: The I uh, the proximity of the adults to the children. Like every yes. parent would do the exact same thing. There's there's no like glaring omission of like oh whoa like we can totally blame this on the victim here it's like no they literally did everything right they did exactly what any parent would do there was Mm -hmm. nothing uh it's just terrifying so that's what i've been watching and then i went back and (laughs) i've been re-experiencing fear on mtv so we'll discuss that on a future episode
0: (laughs) which i have done doing as well and it has been amazing I will say that YouTube is good for something.
1: It's not just for right-wing propaganda.
0: Mm. Ooh, and Hell of a Boss. It's good for that as well.
1: Uh, Okay, so today, today, we are going to talk about, right now, watching a lot about the Elisa Lam story in the Cecil Hotel. Because this case, I remember early in our... Yes, it was partway through. We were already best friends by 10 minutes into us meeting, so it doesn't matter. Early in our friendship, we uh, experienced this video online, and then the case unfolded all the way back in days of yore,
0: 2013. I remember driving home from LA and listening to uh, KFI, I believe um when they had talked about finding her in the water tower like this was just one of those stories that just sticks with you
1: yeah so 2013 remember that obama was still president oh good times oh it's not nice we were like starting to pull out of the great recession people could get jobs every so often I went back to school like an idiot. <laughs>
0: Health Tried college
1: again for some reason. Didn't work. Uh yeah. Healthcare. It just oh. didn't stick the second time. <laughs> just never has. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> Barely made it through high school and then went to college. Did really well for a little stint and was like, I'm gonna be an adult. And then that that didn't
0: that didn't go well. Life
1: um, happens. You know, so I just Having to have two jobs and try and get through college and deal with roommates seemed like it was a little much for my weak little psyche. So, uh, but in the middle of all of that, the, you I remember you texted me and was like, girl, watch this video.
0: Of I course. Like, okay. How could I forget?
1: Right. So we jumped on YouTube where the video had already uh, a billion, billion millions of views. Um, I think right, right now description. it's sitting at like eight something million. Views. That's been crazy. And I know because I uh, I watched it, you were, watch it you're, yesterday.
0: <laughs> you're like, I've watched it 75 times.
1: Yeah. The, there's 8 million views and 7 million of them are me. Um, <laughs> but they're not because I didn't obsess like some people did, but I was very interested. So Same. Uh, yeah, a lot of people went and watched that, that video. So um, then I, so for, you know, watching the documentary, because it, came up on my Netflix recommendations for me and me Netflix clocked me pretty good and
0: um, (laughs) and so I
1: right they did it they got me so as soon as it was like crime story the Elisa I was like Cecil Hotel yes I will watch this so I did and I clicked that sucker on and then it was about Elisa Lamb, obviously but I thought for just a second it was not going to be I thought for a second we were going to have a new story about the Cecil Hotel because it has such a sordid history that I was like, oh, such
0: maybe something
1: past. again, Cecil, you can't stay out of the news. Huh. So it wasn't, but I was, I watched we're it anyway. It was okay. Um, what did you think of the documentary overall before we dive into the story
0: itself? Um, for the most part i thought it was okay i didn't think it needed to be as long as it was i do felt that it's sort of dragged on i feel a lot of times with these multi-part documentaries that we're just trying to stretch so much out of them that we don't necessarily need to. so i sort yeah. of felt that it was one of those situations um and because this because the building has such a sordid past and like there's so much so much tragedy that's happened there it would have loved to have heard some of the other stories, some of the other stories from the 30s and the 40s.
1: I wanted the historian woman to never stop talking. Yeah, she no, was she great. Was great. I loved her a lot, and I wanted her to just keep telling me stories about the Cecil
0: Hotel, the Cecil. The um, Cecil. Were you not just uh, obsessed with that, like their entryway, their lobby? I know the girl.
1: tile work in that lobby. I like, know. I get why people walk in there, like, oh, this fancy, and then no, no, it's not fancy
0: nope but it was getting into that elevator and all of a sudden it's like oh it's rickety huh.
1: i feel like i just walked through a portal into a much less fancy place so anyway uh because it was built in 19 19- or opened in 1924 and it cost a million dollars to build in 1920s money that's wow.
0: That's a lot of money. No, that's a ton of money, especially for the 20s and the bus- the bustling district, that downtown area of LA at the time. Do you want to take your best Karen Kilgariff guess at how much money that is today? 10 million. Nope. So close. 15 million. I was close. <laughs> yeah. I will take that. I will take that as a win. Yep. That's a good <laughs> win. So a $15 million hotel. So it
1: was $1 million in 1924. It oh, was the height of luxury.
0: it was. And it was a busy part of the city,
1: yeah. And there were a lot of really interesting things about. so it opens as a luxury hotel in downtown Los Angeles, which was going nuts because of the oil boom. You have people that are just flocking to this seven hundred room hotel. That's a huge hotel for the time. Seven hundred rooms, fifteen stories, no thirteenth story because superstition. So obviously. That's a tall, beautiful, luxurious hotel. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is a whole bunch. During the 1920s, obviously, this Cecil Hotel is very nice, upscale. Everything's good. So when the Depression hits, nothing's upscale anymore. And sometime during the Depression is when they think that it was changed, the regulations were changed such that the Cecil Hotel became part of the program for the destitute. So it became a partly residential hotel, meaning that they had to offer a certain number of rooms that were available on a monthly or weekly basis. And so you could rent your hotel room instead of just for the night, you could rent a hotel room for a low amount of money, pretty price controlled, but not strictly for weeks, months, and then people would stay there sometimes for years. And this continued, I believe, all the way up until today. It figures into the story because when new management bought it in 2007, they had planned to take it all apart and build a, like a Best Western or franchise out one of the big franchisee chains. They could not do that because they tried to evict the people who were living there and ended up getting a stop work order. They talk about this in the documentary um, Crime Story. And that's an important step for city infrastructure to do. One, because I'm shocked that LA was paying that much attention. <laughs> so that means somebody in this building got evicted went to someone in the city and went, they evicted me and then somebody went and looked up in a file cabinet someplace oh they're not allowed to do that and then responded to this person so I'm like in what world did that the amount of advocacy that happened for that little piece of paper to make it all the way over to the Cecil Hotel <laughs> is astounding given the bureaucratic nightmare that is Los Angeles seriously though And how much they do not care about their destitute, unhoused, or otherwise low-income residents. They do not care about those people. So that, to me, the fact they got an immediate stop work order was like, what? Uh, I agree with you. This documentary could have been a lot shorter. But I have lots of thoughts about why. Because I'm an expert. And they aren't. Tell um, me. Tell these people how to do their jobs. Exactly. We're going to get them new job. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get into the story a little bit I can't because wait. it has directly to do with investigation and investigators and in a million different fields that I'm not an expert in. But <laughs> let me tell you how they did it wrong. Of course. So I'm gonna just the set the stage. So Elisa Lamb, she's 21 years old. She's from Canada. She's going to the University of British Columbia. Uh, she decides she wants to go on a West Coast like getaway trip. She's going to go to San Diego, which she does. She's going to go to L.A. and then she's going to San Francisco. So she's basically starting Southwest and working her way back up the coast to Canada. So in this process, she goes to San Diego, has a great time. No problems. That's where I live. No problems. In San Diego, everything's chill. Gets to L.A., everything goes away. So I'm just going to, I'm not saying it's L.A.'s fault, but I'm just saying it's L.A.'s fault. (laughs)
0: wait i'm sorry is it la's
1: fault it is okay it's la's fault i believe i just said that (laughs) so she goes to los angeles she checks into the hotel on january 28th 2013 Uh, and then she's supposed to leave january 31st she does not ever check out of the hotel whoa last seen january 31st Her parents start calling and file a missing person's report, I believe, on February 1st or 2nd. So there's calls that she's missing. So people are alerted pretty quickly because she's in in contact with her family every day. This is, they sort of bury the lead on this. They could have early in the documentary told us why she talks to her family every day. Maybe, possibly. And it might have something to do with the four bottles of prescription pills that the front desk cataloged with her personal belongings. Because of course, when they call the police, they're like, well, was there, they go to the room, there's nothing in the room. Well, was there any stuff? And yeah, of course, they catalog it, they give it 30 days, and then they chuck it. That's how that works. So it's very similar when you work with repossessions of vehicles. They keep your stuff for about 30 days, and then they toss it. So good to know <laughs> things you don't know you needed to know. If you have stuff in your car when it gets repoed, they have it you have to pay to get it back. And then they check it after a certain amount of time. So you've got to, the time is ticking. They catalog all of her personal stuff, which includes her laptop computer, all of her clothes, some books she bought at the last bookstore, and uh, her prescriptions. And there's four prescription medications. This should have been a 20-minute documentary. <laughs> <laughs> this is my soapbox moment. I'm going to have it. And then we can talk more about all the other parts of the video. Do it. I'm here for it. You have four four prescription meds. One of them is an antipsychotic. Not none of them. One of them. That's a greater amount than zero is an antipsychotic medication. The immediate next step for me, if I were an investigator, is to give that doctor a call and say, hey, man, I have a missing person ostensibly they have not had their this medication for 48 hours what can I be expecting is happening for them that doctor then tells you what happens when somebody is potentially having a psychotic episode and that informs your whole investigation because you can now go oh we're looking for a person who is probably having a very bad time she was on two mood stabilizers an antidepressant, and
0: antipsychotic. I don't think we ever take into mental health a- accounts that way. I think just overall, I think they're mis- missteps that way. I agree
1: because we didn't talk about her medications really until the medical examiner portion of this documentary, which means I don't think the, I don't know because obviously I wasn't there, but I don't know if the investigators really took that into consideration when they were like, oh, it's a twenty-one-year-old with four pill bottles. What twenty-one-year-olds do you There's know are taking?
0: Like stigma around mental health.
1: Yeah, I just feel like that would have been a really easy, like, that's a big lead to just. It's not... a
0: huge lead, <laughs> and this is why we're detectives.
1: Mm. Clearly, we're detectives. That's why we exactly. absolutely, yeah. absolutely went to college and definitely, definitely <laughs> did not, nearly get expelled from high school multiple times so
0: <laughs> multiple times those are stories for later later episodes anyway
1: <laughs> so that's that's where we're at there they go through the investigation gets to a portion where they have a video of uh elevator security camera footage that is of what we assume is the last time uh elisa lamb was ever seen do you want to talk about the video i would love to talk about the
0: video tell me about this video tell you about this video uh, it is a surveillance video of Elisa Lamb in an elevator. She's wearing a red hooded sweatshirt, uh, a white shirt, shorts, and like sandals. Um, and you can see her pushing a series of buttons. And then it gets a little weird. She starts looking into the hall, like the hallway of like the elevator, uh, where the elevators are. I feel like there's something better I could call that. No, you're you're right. The elevator bay? The elevator bay? Embankment? No, Embankment. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> just a
1: hill with some elevators on it. <laughs> it's an elevator hill. <laughs> it's Welcome a ditch hill. Elevator. Yeah, it's just a ditch with an elevator in it. I want all ditches to have <laughs> elevators in them. Do you know what's easier what? it is to get out of a
0: ditch? Oh my gosh, yes. Elevator lobby. Oh, yeah, that's better. Okay, elevator so lobby. Elevator right. lobby. This is it.
1: So, <laughs> our incredible producer just saved our lives. <laughs> we were too busy being in a ditch with elevators, but there weren't any elevators in our ditch.
0: I wish there were, though.
1: Wouldn't that be nice? All to- ditches must have elevators. elevators. Building best- code. Get on it.
0: <laughs> best way to get out of a hole. Just click. Push that. How button. are you going to get out of that ditch you're digging? An elevator. Duh. You know that thing you do
1: behind the couch, where you like stand behind the couch, push the elevator button, and then bend your knees so you of slowly do the worst chair squat you've ever done. That, but in a ditch. I love every it every time, but in reverse. Seriously. So, like, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so next time we end up drunk in a ditch, I'm we'll gonna use the here. elevator.
0: <laughs> just use the elevator.
1: <laughs> push the button, Jesus what's going
0: on so what's up with this elevator tell me more about it um so yeah she pulls up to the elevator lobby she gets she or she pull she pulls up to the seventh floor and she gets out and sort of sticks her hand out looks around it's almost as if she's hiding from somebody maybe or even trying to talk to someone the eighth floor the 14th floor no the 8th floor no the 14th are we named- floor no we're just not are we just naming floors
1: now <laughs> no she pushes the button for the 14th floor and it doesn't stay on because she's already oh on.
0: yes and it goes to the it goes to the 8th floor I after she, like, she gets up? out yeah
1: after she gets out it goes down to a bunch of different floors because she pushed all the buttons
0: <laughs> that's how okay. I get into elevators though and and I always definitely- just go
1: right down the center yeah, line yeah
0: that's how <laughs> I do nobody likes it Nobody wants to ride in elevators with me. It's just a thing I do.
1: I would like to go to every other floor, please. Thank you. <laughs> Unless they put them in a weird order, and then it's like every third floor.
0: Oh, so fun. I'm burping the quietest burps. Oh, okay. So we're gonna edit this together, and it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be
1: beautiful. So we'll fix okay, it so in post. No, I'm leaving all that in.
0: <laughs> no, we're gonna <laughs> fix it in post. <laughs> So 14th floor. Yeah, so she gets, it takes her to the, uh, the 14th floor.
1: For listeners just turning in, that is just under the roof.
0: Yes, that is the top of the building. What was your take on, on the elevator footage? Okay, so when
1: I first saw the video, I was like, this is haunted. 100% right? okay, this is haunted. I looked at the way she was moving. I looked at how she was obviously scared of something. There was a lot of fear, a lot of like, like she was sort of darting around or doing something that was sort of ritualistic or I was like okay there's some she's hearing something I can't hear she's seeing things I can't see and as soon as I got through that thought I was like oh, oh wait maybe she's having an episode. But then I remember all the times that we talk about, and we'll talk about this in future episodes when we talk about how much I watch uh, demon possession movies, (laughs) Um, demon possession. And there's a lot of evidence for the thing we experience as demonic possession being potentially different types of mental and physiological illness, Yes, however, or different types of mental and physiological illness being caused by demonic possession. Who's to say anything is possible. Who knows? So in any way, yes, that was my first thought was this is, this is a, uh, she's seeing and, and hearing things that I can't. Yep. 100%. I was like, that's, that's spooky. And the spookiness that was the most spooky for me was not her moving around all weird. It was that she was inside the elevator and peeking out all afraid. And then she was outside the elevator peeking in all afraid.
0: Yeah. So it's like
1: what it's... in that like if I in my most empathy space like what in her experience was I'm safe in this elevator and I just need to hide from something outside of it to oh no whatever it is is in here and I need to be out there hiding from it. So cuz she hides right outside the door you can see just the edge of her sleeve. Yeah. But I don't know what's going on with her body because obviously she starts doing weird stuff with her hands and things, and she might have been doing that in the hallway in a way I wasn't able to see. I'm not sure, but the the notion that there was like this peek in, you know, peek outside the elevator into the lobby, and then peek inside the elevator equally scared. I was like thinking of that movie like Thirteenth, about the floor, like in the Demon Elevator movie, and there was that I think it was an M Night Shyamalan movie with the Demon Elevator. I don't know.
0: devil with an elevator yeah that
1: one i was
0: losing it
1: but 2013 me was very much invested in this being a haunting and or a demon possession
0: oh well of course i mean also i
1: had seen dark water in 2005 with jennifer connelly the um american appropriation of another japanese classic it's a good movie though (sighs) yeah this great movie and a very similar thing sort of happens kooky haunted hotel it gets all crazy uh yeah and so you have like 2005 dark water with a haunted hotel and a and little then, girl who
0: dies in a water tower and dark water coming out of spigots and then, and two, then 2010 was a uh, devil was the yeah. elevator yep devil's <laughs> in the elevator yep. the devil is in the elevator or the details i mean detailed elevators maybe
1: yeah. <laughs> that gets you out of dishes
0: or the devil wears
1: Prada in elevators it's all oh the devil wears Prada is one of those ditch elevators <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a ditch elevator I
1: right,
0: am a ditch elevator <laughs> I want a ditch elevator
1: elevate me out of this ditch I um yeah I think that that I'm very invested in haunted stuff stories mm. So, cause I kind of like, okay, in my most like galaxy brain figurative way, think that our stuff haunts us anyway. So the whole haunted stuff thing is really like, it hits a special place for me. That's fascinating. Um, not this episode. However, <laughs> this episode is about that there elevator footage and whew, it's weird. And it freaks out the whole internet.
0: It does because it doesn't make sense. And all of us are like, okay, what is she looking at? And who is she talking to?
1: And why are there, like, I love that there's no, the timestamp on it is super messed up. Yeah. But somehow the internet geniuses all figure out how to decode it anyway. Like, I'm not a scientist, so I could not decode whatever it was that they said about how they decoded it. Like, I couldn't even read their methodology. They're like, this is how he decoded the timestamp. And I was like, that looks like math. And (laughs) No things. Those look like numbers. I don't want that. I'm cool with it being weird Klingon symbols that just, oh, look, it looks like they click at regular intervals. I bet those intervals are seconds. I'm correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, see, that's, that in and of itself is a win. That's a huge, <sighs> that's a huge win.
1: Yeah. Monkey brain made patterns. Yeah. I don't know. But then they were like, oh, the video has been slowed down. And the video is missing some time. And there was a lot of things from the internet about this video that I missed in the 2013 version of this video. So yes, it's weird and creepy. And that was my take on it. It was very, very creepy. And I understand why the internet went nuts about it.
0: Because it's just, it's still, it doesn't make sense. I, I mean, I went back and I think I watched it twice this last week and still, still as creepy as ever. Yeah, I made,
1: um, for the sake of anonymity, I uh, made my partner watch it with me.
0: The take anonymity.
1: Yeah, it's fine. And uh, so she's a mental health professional. And so I made her watch it with me. And she was like, oh, yeah, she is doing what we call responding to internal stimuli. Yeah. That is
0: that I is believe whatever name she for was, what
1: that's happening.
0: Whatever she was saying was definitely
1: re- real to her. Oh, for sure. And I yeah. think there was like that thing where she's reaching out with her hand, I feel like is reality testing something that she sees
0: and mm-hmm. is trying
1: to decide if it's real. So, cause like, even if you look at the way her fingers are, they're very like tensed out. Like, you know, when you tense all your fingers and you can make your joints sort of back up a little bit or mm-hmm. makes your fingers all sort of like, it pushes all your joints out, hyperextends them a little. Yeah. Like she did a very, like a thing with her hand. You can tell her hand is completely tensed up So I'm like that mm, we don't love that. So going back to the medications that they found and and didn't I don't think properly address in the first part of this. uh, That is a like that to me would immediately scream physiological or uh, pharmacological. So that was a uh, a sticking point because I'm like you could have had a documentary that was like this girl disappeared and then we missed the fact that she was on all these medications we called her family her family were like oh yeah sometimes she gets really freaked out when she doesn't have her medication and then she thinks people are after her and then she also gets really scared (laughs) and makes really poor decisions and um you know it's really bad and they go oh and then they go i guess we should look every single place that a person could possibly hide in this entire building including the open water tank on the roof Because the other part that really bothered me, part two of bad investigating, things I know more than cops. Of course. Uh, When you go up to a roof and there's four water tanks on that roof and one of them doesn't have its hatch on it, take a peek inside there when you're looking for a missing person. Because they kept saying the hatch was closed, the hatch was closed, the hatch was closed. But at the end of the documentary, they reveal no, it was not because the maintenance guy went up to the roof to check the water tower and found the hatch open and it's on his statement and closed it. And he closed it and went and told his boss what was in there because that was when he found her 19 days later. Yeah. He found her body and went down and told his boss, hey, I went up there. The hatch was open. So I looked inside and there's a person in there. So I put the hatch back on so that it would stay whatever is there would stay there and then came to tell you so that you could call police. And I'm like, I that to me, I I believe that. Much more than I believe the mystery of how did she get in there and then put the hatch back on. She didn't is the answer, which is the easiest answer. But that's like a twenty minute really sad documentary no one wants to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I'm it's just a really sad story it is it's the end of the day at the end of the day it's a young woman who had a whole life ahead of her so
1: that I mean that's ultimately it right this is just a super tragic situation but this so when we were talking about how this video was released and then everyone was like and the internet went buck wild with this video internet sleuths went nuts and Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful which the cops said in the thing and that can also be really dangerous because people really like to put together coincidences and patterns like they're not coincidences
0: it's really easy to create your own narrative with based on your own biases
1: yeah so i think that led to also a little bit of false leads um but not enough that it should really distract i think what's really hard for me about this case is how long it took to find her body given the information they had available i agree with you that was, that was difficult for me. Obviously I'm not an LAPD investigator because you could be. I failed that class <laughs> in community college, which is I'm sure. No, um, I will not disparage them any further. So, uh, yeah, I could be from how much bones I've watched.
0: Uh, I've watched a lot of CSI. So I'm practically a crime scene investigator. You guys, exactly. You don't know. I watched Miami and Vegas. I watched them oh, all CSI New York. CSI Vegas too. was really good. CSI Vegas was the best.
1: Don't get me started on how much law and Chrisom, order. I watch. Mm, law and order. hmm You know what I never back. watched? I never watched NCIS.
0: It was it's a it's pretty good.
1: My older brother likes to call all of them CSI, but then he calls them their name too and puts the whole acronym together. So he calls it NCIS SVU. And makes it's sense. like He's like, are you watching NCIS CSI? Or are you watching CSI Law and Order SVU? Or are you watching which CSI are you watching? Because he just said they're all the same to him. He doesn't care. He's not nuanced or, or cultured enough to understand the difference. Right. There was a moment in the video where the door starts to close and there's like 53 seconds missing of the video. Uh so stated i don't know but this is what well 53 seconds was decided by the people who decoded the timestamp that was in klingon so i don't know if that's true i have no way to like fact check i have no way to look at that and be like yeah there is footage missing um all i know is that the elevator door sort of jumps on its way to closing what i do know is that it doesn't take 53 seconds for an elevator door to move six inches So you see the store start to move and then you see it jump and then you see it close the rest of the way. So I don't know if it's 53 seconds. I don't know if it's three seconds. I don't know. I don't know their methodology. I can't understand it and I'm not interested. All I know is that video didn't look that weird. And they really held on to that for like 20 minutes of documentary time, which was a lot for me. So there's a couple of things that I was really struck by in this case, especially when I was watching the documentary on Netflix. They made a big deal out of this box. They were like, then these two dudes came in the lobby and they handed her a box. But like the police described it like two males entered the lobby and then Elisa Lamb took possession of the box and then the two males left and are never seen on camera again as if it was like they just like got picked up by helicopters when they left the building like there's like goodbye and this box Men in black. is like this is what i'm saying they just came in fleshy thingy the whole hotel so she has this box and they're like what's in the box and it was very like tense about the box when it felt and height. they open the then they go right they go to a room they're like let's go find out what's up with the head. so they go to the room they're like and we found the box and you're like and in it was Gwyneth Paltrow's head
0: just because that's what's always in the box it's always yes uh Gwyneth Paltrow's head always always except it was a book
1: but instead of just saying it was a book they said and that what was in the box the contents of the box led us back to the last bookstore which meant that it was a book. You found a box that you thought was full of whatever, and it was a book. The nice men at the store delivered her book to her. Like, I didn't need 15 minutes of my documentary to be about
0: that. Like I said, I really do think it was just way too long.
1: They did a lot that was like really, and they gave the internet sleuths a lot of airtime. But they didn't give them enough airtime to say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to the guy whose life they ruined because they decided he was the murderer because he's into black metal. Or I'm sorry to the investigators whom they hounded about this being a murder when it was an awful, tragic accident. Or any of the other acknowledgements of the struggles of people who struggle with bipolar disorder and the mental health struggles that come with being a person who takes medicine every day in order to maintain function over their life. Like there's no recognition or not enough verbal recognition from the internet sleuths of backing up and sort of walking back all of their obsessive processes that got fairly conspiracy theorist. And there was no like footage of them being like, I'm really sorry, I should have had more recognition for these struggles she was going through. But instead I really wanted this to be a gruesome murder which I think is a really weird position to be in as a person who's like looking at all these details and all they really wanted was for it to be a murder.
0: Well, I think we romanticize, we romanticize uh, tragedy in that sort of way though, especially with this, which was so mysterious and it's easier to maintain, to stick on the mysterious than it is to like really follow the facts.
1: I feel like a lot of people fell for that in this case, though, like also the police. Like there was a lot of information in front of you. Okay, so there's this moment when the medical examiner said that she had been in this tank for some period of time. We don't know how long. We don't know the temperature. We don't know what things could have influenced decomp. So we couldn't really estimate. So we don't know what things could have influenced decomp. So we couldn't really estimate what was going on. And I'm like, I've watched enough bones to know, yes, you do have that data. You have the weather report. You know what the tank's made of. You know how much water is approximately probably in it. Mm-hmm. That's math. And like, I'm not a mathematician and I'm bad at this kind of math. I can't do calculus, but I know there's modeling software for you for these things that will model these things out for you. So you at least have some sort of range. I watch a lot of bones, you guys. I watched probably seven seasons. I'm pretty sure they had a lot more seasons than that. And I stopped at some point because I was really tired of the romance between Bones and the FBI agent.
0: David Boreanis.
1: David Boreanis, who, by the way, way hotter as a 40-year-old.
0: But seriously though, I I still have angel vibes though. Honestly, so 12 seasons. Bones (laughs) ran for 12 seasons. I watched like seven of them,
1: and I have some of them on DVD. But I watched a, a fair amount of bones. So I, and like I know from that, I know they extrapolate things you can't possibly extrapolate in that show. Whatever. I watched enough that I when he was like, we didn't, those were all unknown. I was like, no, those are completely estimable. You can totally do that. You can estimate those things. And then you would be able to know she went into that tank approximately the day she disappeared. And then they talk about the toxicology report. And I'm like, cool, you did one. That's very exciting. Of course you did. That's standard procedure. And like, I know procedures because I watched a lot of CIS. Um, and, <laughs> and, and you watched like, okay, so you did that. You did your toxicology report and it shows the amount of her medications that was in her system was too low. Well, the detectives who found her medications in her room should have been able to tell you that on February 2nd when they first went there because all you have to do is call the doctor and say, hey, what's this for? See how many are in the bottle and then find out the last time it was filled. Those are highly regulated substances. You can find out the last time she filled her script and then you can find out the last day she took it. And guess what? It wouldn't have been on the 31st. It would have probably been at least a day or two before that because she'd been under medicating. So like I don't know why they didn't know some of this stuff sooner. And if they did, they made it seem like in this documentary that they didn't. So I don't know if this documentary was seeking to make the police look like they made some really serious, egregious errors, like not checking an open water tank, not extrapolating somebody's medical situation from what I assume are necessary prescriptions. What if one of those had been heart medication or something that she would have died without? And they went 19 days without finding her. That's pretty intense. And then the medical examiner saying that they couldn't estimate things that like every mathematician on this planet's like, yes, you can. (laughs) So I had a lot of problems with some of those pieces where I was like, it sounds like you could have done those things. You just didn't. And that's pretty astounding because you had a lot of people on this case who weren't doing those things who could have. So when you say you had all this manpower, where was it? And why wasn't it looking in those water tanks? I don't know, like, okay, so I went and looked because I'm dumb. And I went and looked up how long approximately a fit-ish person can tread water. And it's only about 10 hours. So even
0: if they wouldn't that have found still her seems in like time, a crazy long time.
1: Right? I don't know that I could tread water for 10 hours.
0: I, I would throw if I could.
1: But I don't know if somebody who is also compromised could do that. I don't know. I don't know how I, hypothermia plays in.
0: Yeah, and you have to. Well, and at some point you're just going to get disoriented. Right. And also at some point you're
1: going to sort of feel warm and comfortable and just stop moving entirely. Yeah. That's part of how hypothermia works. And we all think about LA and we're like, ew, hypothermia, that would never happen there. Except that you're in water in a metal and tank. She, didn't,
0: she was, yeah. And she was naked.
1: Well, she, there was some talk about why she got naked in that hypothermia may have been already affecting her such that she took her clothes off my personal pet theory is that she took her clothes off because it was hard to tread water in her clothes
0: yeah it would, that would make that makes perfect it sense. heavy. and she
1: was so that tells 100%. me there was some there was some thinking happening some rationalizing that was available so i don't know if maybe the water like changed her state of mind i don't know any of those things obviously but yeah. i had a lot of frustration while watching this where i was like i feel like so much could have been done sooner and we didn't have an have a have to have a 19 day tragedy situation where then the entire hotel experienced brown sweet disgusting tasting water that they showered in brushed their teeth with drank and that's horrifying to me that there was somebody
0: dead in their drinking water me too like for 19 days for me that's the most probably the most tragic thing of it is just she was stuck in the tank for just and and they had been complaining for days like the the tenants of the building have been complaining for days about the water before it was actually checked
1: well and i wonder which tenants were the ones who complained is that what figured into the decision of whether or not they checked it out and like like if the low income tenants were complaining or if the low income tenants like at the top of the building Experience that would they have complained would they have advocated for themselves or would have been like i don't know this is this shithole hotel i stay in who cares it was the international tourists who were staying at stay on maine who complained and actually got management to do something so it's like when it affected your high paying customers is when something happened and that i mean there's all the things that play into that and also, like, her family was waiting to hear about this. Like, they're wondering where their their person is for 19 days. That's an incredibly long time. I can't deal when either of our kids don't text me that they're safe and it's, like, a couple of hours past when they're supposed to be there.
0: Holy shit! I don't even think I could go 19 days without talking to you. Right.
1: Like, I don't think we ever have. So yeah, this no. whole notion of 19 days going by without knowing where someone is or what's happened to them is truly the most horrifying part of this case and i feel like there was a lot of things that could have been done to find her quicker i don't think anyone could have intervened to save her life but i do think there was ways that she could have been found sooner and everyone could have gotten answers sooner that would have solved a lot of this confusion and then morbid the poor man whose life was destroyed by this wouldn't have been accused of her murder yeah even though he stayed at the hotel a, a full year before she was there and was out of the country when she died. It did not stop the internet. I think in this moment, we're going to go take a break. And after this, Lisa, tell us about Ghost Hunters. I'm going to. Today's show is brought to you by no one yet. Like us on Apple Podcasts so we can get some ads. Oh, like, uh, share, and subscribe. No. Like, write, yeah. and subscribe? Like, <laughs> wait,
0: just do the things that you're supposed to do when you subscribe to something.
1: Yeah. right? review, subscribe, whatever that is. Do those things. Make sure that our numbers go up high enough that people actually want us to advertise for them. Yeah. And we will. No qualms. So, can you tell me a little bit about how yourself and other members of the paranormal, supernat- supernatural, loving community... Uh, experienced both this video
0: and this case uh yeah uh well i super a super paranormal lover um i watch way too much paranormal shows just way too much many all of them
1: can i be really clear is this ghost hunters international
0: no this is ghost
1: adventures ghost adventures okay okay okay
0: ghost adventures ghost adventures at the mm-hmm. Cecil hotel okay. at the Cecil hotel
1: are they like the ghost hunters though, where they go with all their they're all their equipment,
0: things? their tech, their tech stuff.
1: Yeah, they're super their, important equipment.
0: They're super important equipment that like it's really hard to find on the internet, by the way.
1: I interesting how it seems like they all just made that stuff.
0: Yeah, and they make a lot of noise. Like a lot of the boxes that they use are just loud, angry, white noise, <laughs> spitting, agitating machines. It's just a bunch of Staticky screaming and <laughs> unfiltered voices that are just impossible to make out. Sometimes
1: just listening to your robot parents fight. I just have room. problem with
0: I just have problem with EVPs. Like <laughs> so does science. I, think. I do. I just have problem with EVPs or electric electrical voice phenomenon.
1: Um,
0: okay, can I you describe believe-
1: a little bit more about what those are? Can you just okay. tell us a little bit? So more electrical about
0: voice phenomenon is essentially a ghost communicating through some sort of electronic device like white noise on tvs or these generated boxes that produce this white noise they're able to distort the sound in um, the energy around the device itself to produce words okay so like for example the little girl
1: in poltergeist hearing the poltergeists through the tv static Yeah. She's acting like a human EVP.
0: No, the EVP is the phenomenon itself. The device itself is what picks up the.
1: So there's an EVP reader, yes. EVP detector. What do we
0: call that? Uh yes. It, they're, they're, they're called spirit boxes.
1: <laughs> or <laughs> it's very CTM patent pending. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. <I> mean, <laughs> or spirit, spirit boxes. Box. Uh, Zach, uh, one of the ghost adventure. Actually, the team leader uses a APF APF processor and I could not find anything about the APF processor on the interwebs. I looked very hard, but this is a custom machine built to his specifications. (laughs) So by him, maybe, I don't know, but it did some cool stuff
1: cool okay so tell me about so okay so they have all their tech and they go to the Cecil hotel and they yeah. tell ghost stories and also go to find those ghosts yes exciting tell me more
0: okay so first of all I just want to say like I love everything that is can be is and will be paranormal um I want everything to exist from Bigfoot to Nessie to the Chupacabra they are all in my world and they are, it is we are all friends it is the a Chupacabra rainbow exists it does it is a yes. Technicolor dream code of curiosities. Absolutely. Um, however, I'm also married to a magician. So I am a skeptical sort of girl. Yeah. Um, I've seen amazing things happen that are fake. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I'm married to someone whose job it is to lie and to see. I,
1: I, I have seen your spouse do incredible things just while we're yeah, waiting she- for our
0: french fries to show up like yeah she's amazing
1: yeah she has defied my understanding of science oh. physics and the world in a few moments in front of other like just while we're waiting in line so i don't yeah nope yeah also a skeptic and i also would love everything to exist that we dream of that we're like ah oh, this should exist or oh that's terrifying it shouldn't exist probably doesn't even And like
0: i want ghosts to be real because i have a whole list of people i'm planning on haunting me yes of course it'll be I'm double. going to
1: blame I'm blaming all of my future farts on you and your guys. oh my
0: god that's fine I'm cool with that no like, Lisa yeah.
1: it was Lisa Lisa's here everyone Lisa. don't you feel her presence mm-hmm. I'll start to tear up a little bit like dab <laughs> at my corners of my eyes carefully to not mess up my eyeliner and be like oh Lisa's here do you do you smell her
0: yeah <laughs> so <clears throat> with doing my research, I found out that the Ghost Adventures guys are in their 24th season. They uh isn't that crazy? That's more seasons than Gray's Anatomy. I know, and Gray's Anatomy is Gray's Anatomy. Like, do you think they're coming back for a new season?
1: Absolutely. Gray's Anatomy also made me a doctor. So Oh, of course.
0: Don't. they made me they made us doctors.
1: Yeah, we're surgeons. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so they're in their 24th season and the show actually aired way back in October, 2008. So also they also have 49 hour long specials and the investigation at the C cell is one of them.
1: Oh my God. So it's a special. It's not a regular episode. Not a regular huh?
0: episode. It's a I two hours special. Know.
1: So we got ghost adventures the same year we got Obama. Yeah. as president. Incredible. Good things Incredible. happened in 2008. 2008 was a bumper year, everybody.
0: So, uh the... I mean, except for the Great Recession. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Except oh, for that, the Great Recession. That happened. Let's see, the Ghost Adventures is, is comprised of four team members Zach being the team leader, Aaron and Billy being investigators, and Jay being technical. Um, the Cecil was closed in 2017 for refurbishments. It has yet to reopen, but it is slated to reopen at some point in the future the hotel was closed to the ghost adventures crew zach states within the, the the documentary that there will be no other investigations this will be the first and really last vast paranormal investigation at the cecil that's probably how
1: they the manage they got management to agree to it yeah when we reopen don't come back (laughs) because we want people to stay here again eventually
0: (laughs) one of the questions that ghost adventures poses is did richard ramirez the night stalker conjure demons and are those demons responsible for elisa lamb's death
1: fascinating Okay, what do you think about that? Because I have some history of the Cecil Hotel before Richard Ramirez was there, but I'm interested to know what you think. Prove it. Yeah. I mean, we work in the same space.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, prove it. Uh, it. The one thing they mean, they do talk about Richard Ramirez while Richard Ramirez stayed at the hotel in the 80s. He was spotted in one of the back alleys throwing bloody clothes away
1: he was seen walking up the stairs barefoot in bloody underwear like yeah he clearly like came from a crime scene
0: yeah so there's no doubts about like he was obviously staying at the Cecil while I mean his reign of terror from what like 84 to 85 truthfully his reign of terror was as long as he was alive so that's just the part we know about yeah so that's one of the questions that they ask. They start the investigation um in Elisa Lamb's room, which was 412. This is the room that she was moved to. This was the second room she stayed in, the for because the first room she was invited to leave because her behavior was a little erratic.
1: Yeah, her behavior was a little erratic. In our canvassing, did we not? Hello, everyone. Did we not get that in our initial canvas that our former roommates were like, she was leaving notes all over our beds that said, get out, go away mm-hmm. and not letting people in the room. Anyway, continue. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: So Richard Ramirez was the serial killer of the night stalker who was active in the 80s. He was responsible for 15 deaths in a patron of the hotel in 1985. Witnesses put him in a back alley after disposing bloody clothing. Another serial killer, Jack Unterweger. Also, stayed at the hotel and was responsible for three deaths of at least uh, at least three deaths. Um, and they were uh upset. They were sex workers.
1: Yes, and he was in the nineties.
0: Yes, he was in the nineties.
1: There's a movie about him called Jack. It was made in 2015.
0: Fabulous. I didn't.
1: I have not seen it, so that is definitely something we should watch
0: and possibly watch together. I Agree. One of the other things that Ghost Adventures supposes is that Richard Rosmaris was um, engaging in satanic rituals on the roof. But there's no real, like, ha- who said that? Tell me those people.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, I've never seen any evidence of that anywhere.
0: So, and then...
1: In and my like, lengthy Googling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what the Ghost Adventure guys do is they usually... Uh, go around and they explore some of the hot spots they introduce some of the places they are going to be investigating um they also invited um psychics well, along with them because it was a two-part investigation the first part of the investigation f- focusing on elisa lamb and the second part of the investigation focusing on the other deaths at the hotel so he they invite michael and marty perry michael is investigating the investigating the rooftop and concludes that uh least that by supernatural means. That's just the feeling and the vibe that he's getting. There's nothing to back that up. No, do they have any
1: um like what's their when they say supernatural means,
0: do they have any it's just details? feelings and vibes and stuff that he was getting? He was able to hit on the tank, like the right tank, and was like, Okay, it was that tank that she was found in.
1: Did they mention that that's also the tank that has a big hole cut in the side of it? no of course not oh okay because they they <laughs> drained the tank to allow for a more respectful removal of her body and uh, cut a hole in the side of the tank to remove her so i mean that tank would have a big rectangle cut in the side of it that either was repaired or just there
0: yes so while this is going on we have marty perry who's uh wife to michael and she is in Richard Ramirez's room doing psychic drawings. And you get this feeling that she, she's, she comes with, I think three or four different portraits, but we don't know who any of the, the people who, at the C cell, what they look like. So did she draw Pigeon Goldie? I, I can't answer that. I mean, it was an older woman who looked very like, who could potentially have been Pigeon Goldie
1: and had she never okay so i have so many questions first
0: okay, so honey, ask
1: first ask question i need you to define for us and our listeners what is a psychic drawing for people who don't know who aren't okay.
0: so a psychic drawing is it is a drawing that you're a psychic will sit in a space a psychic will sit in a space and it thoughts feelings everything will just come to her and that it gets translated through paper. okay so, she so they draw what produce. they feel Yeah. So she was able to produce like three or four different portraits of potential um, guests of the hotel. But since we don't know what anybody looked like, we can't say for sure it was yes or no.
1: So they draw just what they feel in the space. And that sometimes looks like people's faces and sometimes looks like scenes or things that might have happened. Yes. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Thank you. And then my other question, because I have many questions, but one of my other questions is, had the psychic seen any photos of anyone who had ever stayed at the the Cecil before?
0: That I don't know.
1: Right. No one knows. They don't
0: discuss. So there's there's no way to tell. So if the psychic
1: like went and studied a bunch of pictures from the news from people who had stayed at the Cecil, we don't know whether that happened or not before she decided to sit in the space that Richard Ramirez slept in and start drawing things.
0: Yeah. And as an added fun goodie, Zach added two pictures that uh, Ramirez had drawn as trigger objects. Oh. And oh. a trigger object is an object that a paranormal investigator will use to elicit a response from whatever ghosty image ghost they're, they're trying to come in contact with. So, toward the end of the investigation or the first part of their lockdown, they are all in richard ramirez's room and zach gets marked what does that mean zach a scratch is beginning to develop on zach's neck and lo and behold michael the uh, michael the psychic is like richard ramirez is here and he's like you got me and i was thinking to myself did richard ramirez know zach baggins is he familiar with his work is it possible that he's like i like what you do bro
1: well here's the thing richard ramirez only died in 2013 so it's not unheard of that richard
0: was richard ramirez a super fan (laughs) richard
1: ramirez stands zach is he a, a adventure stan is that what you're saying maybe i <laughs> oh god i don't know what you're allowed to watch in supermax uh screw you prison so i don't know but it might be
0: uh maybe it might be just, i mean richard miriams could have just been fanboying real real hard i i mean you know yeah okay i'm
1: i'll sit with that <laughs> he doesn't strike me as the kind of fun ghost that you can just blame your farts on
0: <laughs> okay so zach played the creepypasta elevator game which some people believe that elisa lamb was playing
1: when okay, she went in and she
0: Pushed all the buttons. Help me with the elevator game. What is the creepypasta elevator game?
1: Okay, I stopped so- listening to creepypasta around Slender Man, which was somewhere <laughs> in
0: 2006. Wait, no.
1: <laughs> the Slender Man shit, I was done.
0: <laughs> no, he's out
1: there. He's out there, you guys. It's totally not made up by 12 year old girls. Okay, so what's the elevator game? Tell me everything. Okay,
0: so it is a creepypasta esque game where you get into the elevator you push a series of buttons and you're supposed to be able to um, travel through the spiritual plane and interact with ghosts
1: okay i thought an elevator coming out of a ditch was fancy that's (laughs) way fancier
0: (laughs) yeah elevators out of the ditch ditch is oh my god that'd be a great band name
1: we're elevator in a ditch and then the album could be called lift me up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's perfect yep box set titled lifted all right so
0: <laughs> okay so the other thing is is disembodied screams are heard throughout both nights okay but it's downtown
1: los angeles
0: exactly and sound travels so weird and like especially that part of the city
1: and also just because you don't see the body the scream came from doesn't mean it's disembodied that's like where you're in a place that only you, like you were there and there's no other options than it's a disembodied scream. Yeah. But like in Los Angeles, you have millions of bodies around that could be screaming with an earshot and likely are. Smelling yeah. piss down there.
0: <laughs> that's, you That's don't you know, mean the Eau de California? Right.
1: The special Eau de Toilette de California. <laughs>
0: The one thing that does happen, though, is one of the investigators, Aaron, gets separated from the group at this point, and Zach is concerned that the building is, is causing him them to separate.
1: Oh, that's so much fun! Like the like the hotel itself is separating them off so it can eat them individually. That's sort a very of Hill House. I'm very into that concept. Okay continue
0: so uh well the investigator arian just goes off trying to find this disembodied voice and it's getting very ragey and very um anxious so he ended up having to take a break but as for the huge things that happen for the first night of the investigation that's pretty much it then they go into the second night of the second investigate second night of the investigation where they invite psychic patty negri who believes that the building is infested by demons and that one really dark entity is controlling the rest Ooh, Um, tell me your six names that's very cool okay yeah so she starts off their room invest she starts off investigating room 1431 which was Roy Thompson's room he jumped to his death in 1938 she opens the window and starts saying sad and sad and that she has to get out
1: I'm going to just add that the top three floors of the hotel are pretty notorious as being the most violent and the scariest because that was where a lot of the lower income units were not the tenant units so just so everyone knows, like there's a breakup of the units. Like the first two floors are tenants; those are monthly, like month-to-month renters who rent their residential units. Floors three, four, and five are the. Oh, I'm sorry. So two and three are the tenants, and then four, five, and six are the hotel called Stay on Main, which is where Lisa Lam was staying, and then seven through fourteen are all Cecil Hotel much less expensive. Um, and the top three floors all the way through its history are known as the most violent. They're just like the farthest from the lobby. They're the most private. They're also the lowest income, which is strange. Most hotels, the higher you go, the higher the price. Not at the Cecil because the Cecil defies all rules of polite society. So
0: that's the layout continue roy thompson's death was one of 18 and that includes like the the elisa's death as well i mean 18 people died at the cecil hotel and most of them by violent means
1: so that's 18 that are different from like normal natural causes deaths because the years between like 2007 and 2017 they had like 80 deaths but some of them are natural causes or drug overdose or like things that aren't reported as like unnatural deaths there have been i yeah, think eight so 18 unnatural deaths unnatural deaths right
0: so patty Nigeria uh continues to continues her investigation they go to room 1016 which was the room of pigeon goldie she immediately ha- hits on that it was a violent attack and that pigeon goldie was sexually assaulted and murdered in 1964
1: pigeon goldie used to go and feed the pigeons that's how she got her name
0: uh she's going out with all the birds and uh, she was living there in the 60s. So yeah. So right about this time, they're starting to wind down their time with Patty, and they're walking to the elevators, and they're about they're waiting for the elevator, and Aaron is snapping pictures with a broad spectrum camera. And in one of the photos, something super creepy appears, and it's a body. It it, it is a person standing in a hallway. And based on frame rate, it would have been really difficult to put somebody there. Okay, so I love that, though. Uh, It was was super spooky, because I was like, ah, there you are!
1: See, I don't have any... I have no qualms about believing that the Cecil Hotel is haunted. I have some qualms about believing that the ghosts or, or demons who are there caused the deaths unnecessarily like I think that there's definitely something like I won't yeah
0: it's it's too hard to prove
1: right and like I can't say it's something is like oh it's a dark vortex in that place there's a lot of reasons why the Cecil Hotel has been the hotbed it's been um and that's not and I would say that not very much of it is due to the Cecil Hotel's management or ownership it's mostly due to the kinds of um the situation it's in with its zoning, the kinds of populations that it it serves most regularly. And then also I would argue some societal feelings about those populations, namely sex workers, unhoused people, um, and the low cost of it tends to draw people who have very few other options. Um, Conveniently, that group also tends to overlap a great deal with the people who will take advantage of that fact because they have an easy access to crime. And those are not always the same people. So I want to be really careful that we don't like accidentally cast aspersions on unhoused people, sex workers, or people of low income, because it's not necessarily the crime there, but those people are most often taken advantage of violently.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, so. At this point in time, Patty leaves and they continue their lockdown investigation night two, Not a whole lot happens um, the second night. They do hear more disembodied screams, but like, come on, it's downtown lake. hold on what how long do they do these for like several hours a night and they do two nights yeah they did i think they were there for like multiple nights they could have been there i think they were there for like a week is that because this
1: is a special or their regular
0: episodes like that too this because this was a special
1: okay cool because i thought in their regular episodes they're there overnight and that's about it
0: yeah no so they were there for multiple nights this investigation goodness so uh zach is investigating jack into room um, which was a uh, room 712. He's talking, he's asking questions, he's using his APF processor, says Jack's here. It's all good. Okay. It's great. The water so 712. Turns. Yeah,
1: 712.
0: 712 then, is two floors above Elisa Lamb's room. And then the water turns on mysteriously behind uh, Zach. And there was no one there. In the sink. No, there was no one there.
1: Okay, so I'm one of those people who's like, did a producer turn it on before anyone could turn around? I mean, quite possibly. I mean, I wasn't there. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe. I mean. Okay, so maybe. I'm in the film like this, and then you run behind me and turn on that water conveniently where I have to turn 180 goddamn degrees to get you on camera, so you've got time to run. I
0: mean, quite
1: possibly. <laughs> I have no idea.
0: And I mean, at the same time, though, if the Ghost Adventure Boys want to invite us along for an investigation, I'm in. Totally, I just feel like
1: that's a cheap illusion and they should probably do better.
0: I mean,
1: <laughs> I'd go investigating with them. I'll bring snacks and hand sanitizer. I'm not going to say no. I mean, exactly. I might say no because I don't want to be on TV crying. Because I would be holding like, your hand. I love to make, like, I'll make fun of people, but honestly. and I would, I'm the you biggest couldn't pay baby me. ever. I'm the biggest no. scary baby ever. You, you couldn't take me anyway. No, you cannot pay me to stay overnight at the Cecil Hotel and Um, do ghost things. No, no, me either. Like, that's not (laughs) something any of us want to do. If someone was like, hey, we're going to go to the Cecil Hotel and do a seance, I'd be like, have fun. Video (laughs) recorded. Tell me about it later. I'm going to stay home in my pajamas and sleep with all the lights on. Yeah, right. (laughs) So... Okay, if someone gave me a million dollars, I probably would, though. Oh, yeah. Honestly, there's very, like, okay, let's be real. Million, it's just about, dollars. it's not about, like, no one could pay me No, to I've do seen
0: this. that. No, that like, that didn't work out when Halloween, did it? Like, oh. <laughs> when Michael Myers showed up and they were going to be, like, in the spooky house for one night? Yeah, we all know that work didn't work out.
1: Mm-mm. No. Okay, and also, if you're going to go do a seance, that's like going to one of those haunted houses where the people can touch you. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. I draw a very hard line. Hard line. They're like, you'll never have to work again for the amount of money we're going to give you. I'm like, that's great. Help someone else out. <laughs> like, <laughs> have fun. If you were going and you were like, hey, I'm going to go do this thing, but I need you to come with me. You could exercise the best friend rule and I would have to.
0: Yeah. So that when, Zach, and ba- when Zach Baggins reason. and the Ghost Adventure Boys invite us <laughs> to go adventuring, we will go.
1: Yeah, if they invite you, I will go. If they invite me, I'll never tell you. I'll just (laughs) say no. (laughs)
0: Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So the one thing that does happen that like really sort of brought it all in for me and made made my day is Zach gets your mom by with an electric with an evp
1: i'm sorry an evp oh, so there was a ghost in this building that your yeah. mom
0: him yeah okay. your mom like tell straight up your mom him
1: tell me everything. so he
0: has his he has his apf processor and he's recording and he's asking questions he's in jack unterveger's room he believes he's talking to jack and he gets your mom'd jack
1: unterveger was like your mom Incredible. That's very much. But Jack Unterweger was Austrian.
0: I mean Was it in German? I mean maybe. I mean it could maybe <laughs> I mean maybe. I I, mm. I I mean I mean maybe it wasn't Jack. Maybe they were just saying that they were in Jack's room. It's Do anything is possible.
1: Is it like on the thing <laughs> <Do> matter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it isn't Sandra Matter. It was totally your mom but then i was like i want to be that sassy of a ghost like that's the ghost i (laughs) want to be the ghost that's like i just aspire to that level of paranormal level of sense just your mom yeah i don't know if you would like i'd walk around just suck it (laughs) your face (laughs) your mom's face (laughs) yeah you get out of the shower all creepily in like this theme on the mirror suck it <laughs> someone just draws
1: like you're just sitting there and you're hanging out like a ghost right and then someone gets out the shower and you're in your prime moment where you could jump scare them and instead you just draw and uh, balls on their mirror yes <laughs> yes yeah, exactly you know uh, me so
0: well you know me so well it is we're just gonna be fat
1: boy ghosts i understand
0: okay yeah. so and that pretty much it ties up and winds down the investigation okay so it ends with zach being your mom by jack unto vegar yes wow that's a killer ending though okay okay yeah i mean if you're gonna get your mom's i mean i can't think of should a... Be a quality your mom <laughs> it's just i can't think of a couldn't have happened to a nicer guy so that but once again that sort of just ties up everything that happened at the cecil was with your mom <laughs> and then also your mom My mom, mean, probably
1: well uh that's all we've got today for all the things to do at the cecil hotel and how all fascinated we were by that whole story and all the things we watch about it uh, thank you for listening to all of our shenanigans. Please go on to wherever you listen to podcasts and like, subscribe, and review. We love those. Follow things. us
0: on Instagram. What's our Instagram? At, at I watch a lot of podcasts, which is funny because you can't watch a podcast. <laughs> Visit our website at iWatchALotof.com. We hope you'll join us next time. And goodbye. Bye.